Good morning. Um, today's passage is Acts 3, and that's on page 1094 of the Pew Bibles. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Awesome. Thanks, Jane. My name's Stephen. I'm the youth minister at Bishop Harrington Church. Great to see you all here this morning. Uh, and we're looking at Acts 3 in two parts, a sign and a sermon. So we've heard the sign. We'll look at the sermon in the second part. Um, but first, are you the sort of family or person that has the same meal every single week on the same day? Like my family were. We used to have KFC Saturdays. KFC every single Saturday. The, the, the bargain bucket, the chips, the tango, the, the coleslaw, the corn, all that kind of, kind of stuff. KFC Saturdays. And you may think, oh, Stephen, I'm so jealous. I wish we had that. You're so lucky you had KFC every single Saturday. But see, we had it for like 10 years every Saturday. And so what started off as like beautiful and, and amazing it just became like mundane and meh. It's KFC again. The the Colonel's 13 spice mix blend became bland rather than scintillating and exciting. I know, spoiled Stephen ate so much KFC that it became numb to the effects of how special it was. Um, But but isn't that like that with us in the Bible sometimes? See, we hear amazing signs like Acts 3 and we're like, meh, I know this already, I've heard this. Yet this should excite us and blow our minds because it's an incredible, amazing sign. So let's have a look at it. Verse 2, have a little look there. If you're uh, closed Bibles, we're on page 1094. We'll be jumping in and out of there, so do get them open. Page 1094, verse 2. A man who was lame from birth. So so, so we we meet our man, and he's lame. And Acts 4 tells us this guy's 40 years old. And that's quite old. Um, (laughs) Relatively. Uh, But... For, for, so 40 years, right, without, without being able to walk. 40 years uh, uh, without feeling like sand between his toes or being able to frolic and leap through a meadow or dance. Like, like, he's never walked. 40 years. Uh, as David Cook said, look, first century medicine could do nothing for this man. Indeed, 21st century medicine could do nothing for him. We can't grow his, like, sort his legs out and make them better again. And so for that man, imagine his life like helpless, uh, and hopeless, no hope of a future. Forty years. And look what's happening to him in verse 2. Um, he's being carried to a temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going in the temple courts. He, he needs people. He needs others to carry him around and, and, and maneuver him about, but he also needs the generosity of others to, to, to get him to like, live, 
can use their money and their, and their generosity so he can live. Just imagine him in those dusty, hot streets, day after day, people ignoring him, walking past him. Rough life. Until Acts 3 and Peter and John show up. We're there, temple gates, three in the afternoon. People are flooding in for the prayers. Um, and, and, and here's what happens. We're there, verse 3. He saw Peter and John about to enter. And so he does the usual thing. He, he asks them for, for money. And in verse 6, Peter responds, Silver or gold, I do not have. That kind of sounds like bad news, right? For a beggar who needs money to get by, and someone's saying, I don't got any money for you. That sounds like bad news. But Peter continues. He says, verse 6, But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's quite a bold thing to say. But what happens is just astounding. Verse 7, Peter takes him by the right hand. Peter helps him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. This man can walk. Those are my stairs. Now, four months ago, in November, I was going up the stairs, and I stacked. I fell over. Big, big-footed Stephen just, just tripped and collapsed, buckled on his left foot, and was in agony for like ten minutes, screaming on the floor. Lizzie, my wife, was like, Meh. poor Stephen. Um, but, but I was like, on the floor, like, ah! And now, four months later, my left ankle still hurts. Like, if I roll it round, it still hurts. Like, injuries take a long time to heal. Stairs are dangerous, don't, don't use them. Um, but, but injuries take a long time to heal. As some of us know in in this room. And this man's not injured. He's lame. And yeah, verse 7. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. Like, no rehab, no, 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 no doctor's appointments, just instant strength and power. It's like muscles that had no, uh, had no strength or, or never been used before suddenly find life uh, and are able to move and work and bones that were frail and brittle become filled with might and strength and power. And he can walk. And look what he does in verse 8. He went with them in the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. Oh, he's like jumping around, I can walk. And the guy writing this is a guy called Luke. He's a doctor. And he mentions walking and jumping over and over again. It's like he's fascinated. He's like, a lame man walks. He's walking. He's walking and jumping. What? He's blown away by this. And we should be too, because the man who was outside the temple, away from God and his people for his whole life, was suddenly in the temple with God and his people jumping about. Isn't that awesome? What a sign! And it gets even better. This is miracle number one of 14 in Acts. And it gets better. Because have a little flick to um, page 720 in the Bibles, to Isaiah 35. Have a little flick there. Page 720, Isaiah 35. See if you can notice why this is so much better than, uh, than just what it seems on the surface. Look at verse 6 particularly. Page 720. Isaiah 35, 6. Do you see why this, uh, this miracle is just... <sighs> Isaiah 35, 6 says that the lame will leap like a deer. And this is one of the signs of God being present at work, alive and moving on the earth. God being on the earth. One of the signs is the lame will leap like a deer. And look what the man's doing. He's leaping and jumping and praising God. He's like a deer. It's Isaiah 35, verse 6, happening in the temple courts. God's at work. 
And we're going to hear more about that in the second part of the sermon, so be prepared for that. That's exciting. What a sign. And isn't this, isn't this just a reminder for us, when we open the Bibles at Rooted, at Explorers, at Keo, at, at Church, to come with fresh eyes of wonder. People in verse 10, have a look at that. They're filled with wonder and amazement. That's how we should be. When we open this thing, this is not just ink on a page, this is the living word of God that is alive and beautiful. Oh, let's look with fresh eyes. What a sign. And yet, it's more than that too. Um, that is the uh, Queen's Royal Seal of Approval. Um, it's on legends like baked beans, on uh, ketchup. It's also on Weetabix. Apparently that's the Queen's favourite breakfast cereal. But, 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 but that, that seal, right, it, it gives things like a real weight to it. You're like, oh, the Queen likes ketchup. I like ketchup. Whoa. Um, it, it, it's approved by the Queen. The Queen endorses these things. Just like Act 3. Because have a little look at Acts 2.22. Um, that's the page over, 1093. Um, this is Peter's first sermon. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Peter's saying, Jesus did amazing things which were, were like God's seal of approval, God's stamp saying, this is my guy, this is my son, listen to him. He's a boss. And the same thing is happening in Acts 3. The apostles, the disciples of Jesus, have God's seal of approval. It's like he's saying, these guys, they're my men and women. Listen to their message. Their message is important. It's got my approval. There's a lame man walking, that's my approval. Um, Which means, right, the Bible, the gospel that we know, the the good news of Jesus being alive uh, um, now, carries so much more weight and beauty with it if it's God-approved. This Bible in front of you is a God-approved message. Isn't that amazing? It's true and trustworthy. We, we, we can rely on this stuff. That's awesome. But what's the payoff for us? Uh, are we to go out like Peter and John, find people on the street and say, get up? I, I don't think so. See, but I think we can learn from Peter and John. Because Peter and John, what do they do? They share what they have. Silver or God I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. Peter shares his faith with this lame man. And I think we can learn boldness like Peter had. Because in Acts 4, because of this miracle, Peter gets arrested. And people command him not to speak in the name of Jesus at all. He still does it. Um, But isn't that like 2019? 2019, our society is one where our faith is private. You can hold on to it for yourself, but you can't share it. Only this week, but over in Southgate, this man, a Christian uh, preacher, got arrested, his Bible taken from him, for disturbing the peace. Now, if Peter and John had kept their faith private, if they'd been silent, this lame man would never have walked, would never have leapt, would never have been in the temple praising God. If my old youth worker, Dave Walker, that's that guy on the screen, if he had kept his faith private and not shared it with me, I would not be here this morning. I wouldn't be a Christian. So, who can you share with? Whose life could you change by sharing your faith with them? Don't be silent. Don't be afraid. Acts 3. What an amazing sign. And we're going to hear more about the sermon that follows the sign in a little bit. Be excited. 
So continuing in Acts on page 1095, starting at verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by your own power or godliness we had made this man work? Walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see, whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. As you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers, he said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Brilliant. Um, As you may have guessed, that woman there was Princess Jasmine, daughter of the Sultan, walking in the marketplace. And yet, people didn't know who she was, they didn't recognise her, and so they treated her like scum. Like I was going to chop her arm off. And we're going to see how that links into Peter's epic sermon uh, as we go through, so be ready for that. Because, um, so Peter delivers this amazing sermon, but a lame man jumping and walking around must have been quite the sight. And look at verse 11 on page 1095 in the Bibles. People were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. You can imagine that the excited buzz, people chatting about it. There's a lame man walking and jumping, and they gather in their thousands, Acts 4 tells us. Like thousands gathered to see this man jumping about. And so Peter, what does he do? Well, he shares what he has. He shares his faith delivering an epic sermon with one big point. That Jesus is alive and at work. Jesus is alive and at work. Let's have a look at it. I love the way Peter starts. Verse 12. This is just awesome. He says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our power or godliness made this man walk? He's like, guys, Don't look at us, we're humans. Like, why are you looking at us? We're we're not special. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He did this. He healed this man, not us. Look at verse 16. He says, look, it's 
Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed this man, as you can all see. It's all about Jesus. And actually, that's a little reminder for us. If we're working for church or serving in different parts of church, like it's a great reminder that it's all about Jesus. We don't take the praise that Jesus deserves. It's all about him. And I love Peter's sermon. One thing you can't escape is just like how big his knowledge of Jesus is. Like the sheer breadth and understanding of Jesus in this sermon is incredible. He has a big Christology, we call it, like he knows a lot about Jesus. So have a little look at verse 13. We're going to rattle through these. Verse 13, Jesus is the glorified servant. Do you see that? And then then we go down to verse 14. Jesus is the holy and righteous one. The perfect one in every single way. Verse 15, Jesus is the author of life itself. Verse 18, Jesus is the Messiah, God's promised king. Verse 22, he's the prophet spoken of by Moses, who is greater than Moses. And then verse 25, he's Abraham's offspring, the answer to all those promises to Abraham back in the Old Testament. It's all Jesus. I love it. Jesus has been gone, hasn't been gone very long. He ascended like a a few weeks ago when this happens. And yet you can tell that Peter's studied Jesus. He's thought about Jesus. He's fascinated by Jesus. And he's looked in the scriptures to find out more about Jesus. For Peter, he's like, whoa, this guy Jesus is awesome. Now, there are not many things that I consider myself knowledgeable on. Not many at all. But one of them is this, food and cooking. I used to watch all the Saturday Kitchen programs, like Saturday Kitchen, where they say you cook all those kind of things. I love cooking. I know what flavors go well together. But I know how to cut an onion properly as well. And I tell Lizzie off, my wife, when she cuts it wrongly, because of the correct way, and everyone knows that. Um, but but like, I know food, and I love food. And for each of us, there's something we'll be fascinated by. Something that we know inside out. It might be, it might be bikes. It might be mountains in the Lake District. It might be dinosaurs. It might be PS4 games. It might be baking. Something we know really, really well and we love looking into. I wonder if we know Jesus in that same kind of way. I wonder if we put as much effort and energy into Jesus as we do that thing. Are we fascinated by him as much as we are by other things? Do we think about Jesus like Peter clearly had? intently thinking and this has been really challenging to me um, and so one of the things I've started doing is um, every night before bed I, I do quite times in the morning but before bed I've started reading one chapter of the gospel, of the gospel each night and I reckon I'm going to read all four gospels at least four times before bed just on its own because I want to know Christ I want to know Jesus better like Paul says in Philippians I want to know Christ yes because it's awesome he's amazing and so what could you do how could you know Jesus better how could you grow your love and knowledge of Jesus how could you think about him or how could you read about him or maybe Lent's coming up on Wednesday as Phil said maybe you could uh, read this book The Beauty of the Cross it's, it's a Lent devotion thing so each day it's got a little chapter from a little bit from Isaiah 52 and 53 you read that you learn about Jesus and you grow your love of him that's not what I do during Lent they're all at the back over there they haven't got a price for them yet we'll make one up when you get over there be excited but, but how can you know him better how can you be fascinated by Jesus like uh, by Jesus like Peter was for Peter, it's all about Jesus. And look how he talks about Jesus, because he says, look, this Jesus is amazing. He came to this earth, and then he describes how Jesus was treated. And it's like Jasmine in the marketplace. People didn't recognize her, so they tried to cut her hand off. Jesus came to this earth, the author of life, the Messiah, God's promised king, and they rejected him, and they disowned him, and they tried to kill him. 
they did kill him. And let's not forget who Peter's speaking to here. He's in Jerusalem, talking to the Jerusalem Jews, which means two months ago or so, these same Jews have been shouting, crucify him, crucify him. That's what he says in verse 13. He says, look, you handed Jesus over to be killed. Verse 14, you disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murder be released to you instead. Verse 15, you killed the author of life. Huge irony there. These people in front of Peter killed Jesus. But Peter continues. Look at verse 15 again. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Peter's point is that Jesus is alive and at work. He's like, you guys have to kill Jesus. He's alive. This lame man clinging to my arm. He's proof. Jesus did this. Jesus is alive. He's at work. You can't kill him. You can't stop King Jesus. It's like this. Um, it's a bit like one of these. Oh, yes. Beautiful. Jesus is like this candle. Oh, if it lights. Yes, there it is. It's like the candle. Right? And the Jews, they disown him, they reject him, they try and kill him. So they, 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 they snuff him out. Oh. It's supposed to be a magic candle that relights. We'll try again. Take two, here we go. Jesus is like the candle. You blow him out. Amazon. Oh, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. There's life coming back. Wait for it. Yes. Hey! That's like Jesus. Like, you try and keep him down, and yet he comes back up. You blow him out, and he comes back up. It's not going to work again now, is it? I'll just make sure it doesn't burn, I think. Jesus is like the candle you can't snuff out. He keeps on coming back. And the lame man walking is proof that Jesus is alive and at work. And isn't that just great news for us? Like in 2019, a society that wants to crush Christians and say Christians can't talk about Jesus, he's alive and at work. For our friends and family that don't know Jesus, he's alive and at work in our lives when we're battling sin and stuff that's too big for us. He's alive and at work. Isn't that just awesome? Jesus is alive and at work. And so Peter ends the sermon by saying, what will you do about it? Jesus is alive and at work, so what are you going to do about it? And that's the same way we're going to end too. What will you do about Jesus being alive and at work? Because here's what Peter wants, verse 19. Have a little look there. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, verse 21, to restore everything. See, Jesus being alive and at work today could be the greatest news ever for you. It's the greatest news ever. You can go through the biggest life change ever, bigger, bigger still than the, the lame man. You can go from death to life. Because if Jesus, he's the author of life, well, rejecting him or saying no to him is choosing death. Uh, and it's bad news. But then turning to Jesus, turning to God, as verse 19 says, repenting, is choosing life, the author of life. Uh, and Peter lists two amazing blessings that come from choosing life. Did you see them? Verse 19 is the first one. Our sins will be eradicated, wiped out, obliterated forever. It's a bit like um, our hearts uh, are like a whiteboard. Right? Our hearts are like a whiteboard, um, sinful at, at their very core. The stuff that we do, we say and we think that goes against God and his good commands. We reject him through how we act. We're, ig- we're ignorant of God. 
And yet, Peter says, because Jesus is alive and at work, because he's died and risen again, here's what happens to that. Boom. Gone. Gone and not coming back. Wiped out, eradicated for all of history. Isn't that just awesome? Blessing one, no more sin. Eradicated. And blessing two, um, well, blessing two is a result of that. Because our sin has been eradicated, well, we can be part of a new heaven and the new earth. Jesus coming back is the author of life. And see, when he comes back, he's going to restore the earth. It's going to be beautiful and amazing and perfect. No more decay, no more death, no more pain, no more destruction. Just pure life with the author of life. And that's our blessing too. If we're trusting Jesus. And those two things are only possible, well, because of the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus, the author of life, life itself died so that we might live beyond death forever and have our sins obliterated. Isn't that amazing? So what are you going to do about it? If you want to know more, just to fill myself, where it will be around chapter 12, I'd love to tell you more about Jesus and what it means to repent and turn to him. But if you do trust Jesus already, well, here's what we do about it. We leap, we shout, we sing, we praise God because these blessings are immense, right? Jesus is alive and at work right now, which means our sins are gone forever and we've got a home forever. So let's praise him and sing like it. What a God. Jesus is alive and at work. What an amazing sermon from Peter. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that Jesus is alive and at work right now. Uh, and Lord, that is such a blessing and comfort for us. Would we know how much of a blessing and comfort that is? And would we remember those two incredible blessings which you lavished on us, that, that, that our sins are obliterated and wiped out forever, and we can be part of this new creation of a trusting Jesus? If we are, then Lord, help us to celebrate and sing for joy, because Jesus is alive and at work. Thank you, Lord. Amen.